Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. The book of Psalms, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, join me this morning. The book of Psalms, chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. The scripture says, Blessed or blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And listen to this last line. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We, we've all met people, and perhaps if you haven't said this verbatim, but something akin to that, that it just seems like that person, everything they touch turns to gold. You ever met people like that? And they, the worst situation, just like a cat, land on their feet somehow, <laughs> out, out of it all. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the Lord, and on that law of God doth he meditate night, night and day. Just, amen, the wonders of God's word day and night. The end result is he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and he will bring forth fruit in his season and whatsoever he does shall prosper. I want to preach to you today from this thought, blessed to bless. Blessed to bless. We're not blessed so that we can just heap it to ourselves. <laughs> but God is just wanting to bless us to be the conduit through which we can bless others. Amen. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I appreciate the spirit of the Lord that I feel in this house right now. As a church, we are perfectly positioned between two annual commitment campaigns in our calendar year. Last Sunday and just to follow up now, in this service we kicked off our 2020 Christmas for Christ campaign. And this giving opportunity of Christmas for Christ will assist in planning more churches, daughter works, and preaching points in Florida and across our nation. But we're also standing at the threshold of our Commitment Sunday for 2021 giving. We will have that service on the 27th. That will be the final Sunday service or weekend service in the calendar year 2020. And I trust, as I say year after year, that we do not whimsically walk into that commitment service, but we prayerfully consider what God would have us to commit by way of missions and other things in the upcoming year. Now, 
For some, as it was mentioned in our first service, for some the subject of giving can be an awkward trail to navigate. However, I believe that I, along with many others that are sitting here or either will hear or watch this message later, have discovered a powerful truth about giving, and that is simply this, you cannot outgive God. God just blesses. Amen. He opens the windows of heaven that's, that's in his word. And when we begin to invest in something that has eternal value associated with it, that garners the attention of God. Now, um, I believe that if we just simply open our Bible, we'd have to go no further than the very first, first book of our Bible, the book of Genesis. We have to go no further than the first chapter of the first book. And it's here that God begins to work in creation. And in this creative work, the scripture says that the Lord himself said, it is good. And so at the closing of a creation day, the Lord would end that day by saying, it is good. And then God reached into the dirt, the dust of the ground, molded man breathe life into his soul, and at the end of that day, he said, it is very good. And these passages in Genesis 1, I believe, uh, all become succinctly summarized in the book of James chapter 1. And it's here that we read the writer James from the New Testament that says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And so I'm just going to reiterate what our first speaker has already said. If we have anything worth anything at all, we can attribute it to God. He is the author, the finisher, the creator, the giver of those gifts. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. And so whatever we have in life, not just tangibly, but whatever we become in life, I will let you know that these good gifts, these good things come from God especially in the culture that we live in today, on a regular basis, many people have something delivered to their homes, sometimes on a daily basis. But the giver of the gift is not the FedEx individual that walked it to our front porch or the UPS man or the United States Postal Service. That's not the giver of the gift Amen. If you want to know the giver of the gift, then you have to look at the return label. And so many times we open the mailbox, at least in our home, and we open the mailbox or bring it in the house. And so we realize that it's more than just a piece of mail. It's not a bill, perhaps. And so we are curious to see who the sender is. And there's been many times that we have been more curious about the sender than we were whatever's in the package because we want to determine where it's coming from. And so many times we look at that before we even open the package to see what was sent. I'm not alone in that, am I? <laughs> I want to make sure I want to make sure where this is coming from. This was who who thought of us. This is a wonderful thing. And so when we think about the blessings of God, I think it's not uncommon especially with people with any measure of humility when we think about the blessings of God we ask ourselves and we are humbled by the fact that God would bless us. I understand what David meant when he said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who, who am I that you would consider me to bless me in any measure? 
But I will tell you today, I don't believe that God just blesses us because we're all of that. I believe that primarily God blesses us because it is God's desire to bless his children and God's desire to bless his church. And it really has nothing to do with what we deserve, but it is about what motivates God. In Revelation 4 and 11, the scripture says, O Lord, thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so God has created all things for his pleasure, and what he does, he does to please him. And I will tell you today without any hesitation that I believe it blesses God to bless us. Just a few services ago, I was reading the scripture and talking about that if we being evil have it within us to bless our own children, how much more does our heavenly father want to bless his children? How much more does God want to bless the church? It's not a struggle for God to bless the church. It's not a struggle for a parent or a caretaker to bless their children or to bless those that are around them. I mean, let's consider if you will, for just a few moments, the life of Solomon. Certainly, God blessed Solomon. Solomon's father was King David, and so from his very birth, from Solomon's very birth, he had servants. He was born into an environment, a home, where servants waited on his every need. He didn't have to reach for anything. He didn't have to struggle for anything. He probably didn't have any idea what household chores were all about, taking out the trash or mowing the lawn. He had somebody to take care of that. But there come a day that Solomon was crowned king, and he would be king instead of his father. And when he was crowned king, his responsibilities changed in a moment of time exponentially. Now, Solomon was not just the son of a king who had people to help him and to wait on him, but now he himself was the king. He was leading leaders. Of course, at times he was called on not only to be a judge, but to be a jury, and at times even an executor. It didn't take long before the weight of this role and responsibility gnawed into Solomon's shoulders deep enough that he realized this crown and this title, this role and this position is too large for me. And so one night in a dream, God asked Solomon what he wanted more than anything else. If there is just something that I could give you, if there is just one gift, that proverbial rubbing of the lantern, if you please, if there was just one wish that I could grant for you, what would that be? And it was here that in a dream, Solomon humbly made a request to God. First Kings 3 and 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad and for who is able to judge this thy great thy so great a people who am I Lord I need your anointing upon my mind and my heart and my life Solomon was a young man by some standards, but he realized he was old enough to know this. I, if I don't have the help of God, I'm gonna fall on my face. I'm gonna need you, Lord, to help me discern between what's right and wrong. How can I know? The heavens are at times brass. How am I going to be able to know? And so God, in his infinite mercy and wisdom, amen, began to grant that that Solomon had asked. However, it didn't end with just wisdom. 
God continued to bless Solomon. Solomon was blessed with wisdom, but he was also blessed with riches. He was also blessed with honor. And God blessed him with a legacy. As a matter of fact, God blessed him with a legacy that would not and could not be overshadowed by any other king in all of Israel's history. But Solomon's greatest blessing was the wisdom to lead God's people. Yes, he had money. Yes, he had power. Yes, he had influence. But the greatest gift was the gift that was born of his own lips. And that was the wisdom to lead the people of God. However, amen, God did continue to bless. And those blessings affected every aspect and area of his life. He was not only a wealthy man, but according to what the scripture teaches us, the Lord made him the wealthiest man to ever live. Solomon was so immeasurably wealthy that the book of 1 Kings chapter 10 of verse 27 says that of Solomon, he made silver to be in Jerusalem as though they were stones. Amen. That's how wealthy Solomon was. Silver in Solomon's world was just like gravel laying on the ground. He just had it all. Amen. And that, among other things, is why the why Queen of Sheba said to herself, I have heard of this man, but I must go meet this man. I have heard of all of this, but I must meet him. She heard the stories, but she said, I, it is not enough to hear it with my ears. I want to see it with my eyes. Amen. How could one man leading one nation be so wise? And so blessed. And so she loaded up her caravan and some 1,400 mile trek they began their journey from Sheba to Jerusalem to meet Solomon and to find out the why. When she finally got there, this is what she saw. She saw a house that took 13 years to build. A spread of food on a table that could not be described. The seating of his servants and the service of his servants and the way his cupbearers entered and exited and the way that Solomon himself ascended to the house of God and descended and her closing commentary before heading back home was this the line we've all come to know she said I had heard but the half had not yet been told me Solomon was the richest man in the world the wisest man in the world amen and the most powerful man in the world but there's one missing element Solomon wasn't happy. I believe Solomon 5 gives us that answer. It's here that the facade of Solomon's wealth is revealed. It wasn't that he had a deficit in his bank account. No way. But Solomon did have a deficit in his heart. According to the wisest and the richest man in all the world, here is the best that life has to offer. And he gives us some grand nuggets. I hope you're listening. Ecclesiastes 5 and 18. The Bible says, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him. For it it is his portion. Just hold that scripture there for a moment. Solomon said, that I think it that uh, here's here's a summary of what I've seen in my life. He said it's good and comely. It's it's all right. It's in balance to eat and drink and to enjoy the good 
of all his labor that he taketh under the sun or all the days that he lives life on this earth. It is good to take and enjoy the things that God has given him and here's why. Because it is your portion. It's what God has given you. Amen. Stay with me now. The next verse, the Bible says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. I'm going to read that again. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Amen. Now, we know that God has so much more for us when he calls us home. Uh, we can't even comprehend what heaven is going to be about. But according to Solomon, and this is what I want to leave us with today, it is God's will for us to enjoy the life he has given us while we are living on this earth. If God has given you the strength to work, then I believe we ought to work to the glory of God and then enjoy the fruit of our labor. Amen. You've worked hard to make a living. I think it's all right to enjoy what God has blessed us to have. Many times, if we're not careful, we'll try to explain away what God has blessed us to have. Amen. I, I can't explain that away. I want to enjoy what God has blessed me to have. I've been very clear about this through the years, uh, not only for myself, but about anybody that will listen. Somebody is always going to wear finer clothes, drive a bigger car, live in a larger home, have a bigger bank account. They're all they're going to be people that have far more acres and deeds in their name, and on and on and on the list goes. We're not talking about trying to keep up with the Joneses. What I'm trying to tell you today, Amen, is that whatever God has blessed you with, God wants you to enjoy that. Amen. It is God's pleasure for you to enjoy the gift that He has given us. There's no greater pleasure than for us to buy, if we use children for an example, no matter their age, but to buy children a gift and then see them enjoy that gift. We didn't give them a gift to say, now you don't take this out of the box. Don't take it out of the package. You put this on the top shelf of your closet because we want you to have this 30 years from now. And after a while, it's just up on the closet collecting dust. That's not why we gave it. We said, we want you to take this and we want you to have the best time you can possibly have with it. I'm going somewhere today if you'll take the journey with me. God has blessed us, not that we can feel guilty. God has blessed us, not that we can try to explain it all away whatever you may have it may not measure up to what somebody else has but what you have you need to say God I want to thank you for the car that I am driving I want to thank you for the clothes that I do have on my back I want to thank you for the home that I do live in there may be bigger homes on your street, may be bigger homes that your friends have, but what you have given me, I want to say thank you from the depths of my heart. I want you to know, God, that I'm grateful every day that I live. I'm not busy resenting what others have. I'm going to enjoy what you have given me. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. I think we have to be very careful that we don't work so much that we have no strength at the end of it all. 
We have nothing left of us to enjoy what God has allowed us to have, whatever it may be. Amen. I think I'm, for the most part, I'm speaking to pretty common folks here today. I assumed I was. Maybe you have Swiss bank accounts we know nothing of, but I'm just thinking I'm preaching to pretty common folk. Amen. We can walk through the parking lot, see some pretty common cars. I believe you live in a pretty common house. Amen. I say that with all deference. I believe you're wearing common clothes, common shoes. Amen. Live a pretty common life. And so we're not talking about extremes today, but I'm going to tell you that we need to enjoy what God has given us. Someone said, uh, I remember hearing this, of course, not about necessarily one person in particular, but I've heard people say, you know, some people are not worried about, they can't enjoy the dollars they have because they're worried about the dollars they don't. And they keep reaching and reaching and reaching for more and not ever enjoying where they are in life. I want to enjoy whatever station that I am in life. I mentioned a few services ago, I, I can't remember uh, I won't hold it against you for not remembering the message. I don't even remember it. <laughs> but I, I was mentioning about when my wife and I first got married in our first real home that we couldn't afford end tables. And so we had little wooden spools that used to come from the power companies that they had wire on. And, and uh, she, of course, they, she had them all covered up and dolled up. They looked like wonderful, beautiful little round end tables. People often wonder, wow, where'd you get those fancy tables? We just kept the curtain down on them. But you know what? I'm not going to sit there and resent the fact that we don't have end tables. I want to enjoy what we do have. And they served us well. And they served us several years. <laughs> they served us well. I don't, want to, I don't want to burn up my today because I'm looking down the road at what I want to have tomorrow. I want to enjoy what God has given me today. You see, we often, if we're not careful, can feel guilty about things that God blesses us with. I've told this story a few times, but many years ago, I had a pastor friend that really sobered me up with a question. He called me one day and he said, uh, he said well, what, what did you do yesterday? I said, well, actually, I took yesterday off. I didn't do a thing. He said, well, I've got a question for you. He said, you said you took yesterday off. I want to ask you something. Was it a, a guilt-free day off or just a day off? Ooh. Oh, he had me by the throat because it wasn't a guilt-free day off. Because the whole time I was home, I was thinking, you know, I could be at the office. I need to return this call. I need to do this. I need to do that. And so it wasn't a guilt-free day off. It was just a. It was just something we titled a day off. Amen. I'm all up in your business right now, but if you'll just ride with me, we'll be all right. Amen. We are so driven that we are so driven, and our society, our culture is it. it, it promotes this. We're so driven that many who take a day off feel guilty because we didn't work. And yet God, amen, I read to you a moment ago or at least referred to Genesis amen, that he created and rested and created and rested and created and rested. So if God himself could rest and I believe he was trying to send us a message then why should we feel guilty about resting? Amen. We think on our day off or our time away that we should be at the office or in the field or on the job. I need to answer these questions, return these emails. I need to answer that text, follow that lead, contact this client. And so even on our days off, our time away, our vacations, if you please, amen, we push right past the rest point. And in all reality, we're right back at work. 
Sometimes one of the most spiritual things you can do for yourself and those around you is chill out. Amen. Give your body a chance to recharge. Amen. I hope I'm giving somebody permission today. Amen. I hope the Lord has given somebody permission today to enjoy the blessings of God. If God has blessed you with a little free time, then dear God, let it be free and don't let it be entangled with something else. Amen. Spend time with your children. Take a walk with your companion. Hold hands and savor the moment. Enjoy the blessings of God. I'm, I'm, I really am imploring you to enjoy the blessings of God. However, there can be a danger in the blessings of God, and so we need everything in moderation. We gotta be careful that God's blessings don't become a curse to us, and it can so quickly happen. When we spend so much time and joy in life and our pursuit of pleasures, that that overshadows the, the pursuit of God in our lives. Amen. If you, if you have been under our leadership for very long at all, you know that we preach and believe that, that we ought to take time with our family and take time and invest in our family and spend time together. But I want to tell you, I'm not suggesting that you take every weekend and leave church to go be at a campsite somewhere or doing this or doing that. Amen. If those times start overshadowing our pursuit of God, then God's blessings have become a curse. Amen. It's all right to involve your children in extracurricular things. But let me tell you something, parents. If that involvement means that they're missing church and that they're missing youth and children's ministry events, then what God has blessed you with, the enemy has now turned and twisted that, and that's soon going to be a curse to you. Amen. So I say for your children's sake and for your own soul's sake, amen, we must be God chasers. Amen. I got to pursue the power and the will of God. Amen. You know what that means? That means I can't chase everything else because God is at the center of what we're trying to do. Understandably. Understandably for all of us. Amen. There are going to be times when the job requires overtime that may cause us to miss a service here or there. But I want to tell you, if we just pick up intentionally, hear me now, I'm just going to be your pastor today. If we intentionally pick up a second or a third job just so we can get more hours for more money, just so we can buy big and better, amen, newer and fancier, can I tell you that God's blessings have now become a curse because it's keeping us out of the will of God. Amen, we're so stretched past ourselves. We can't join this ministry. We can't be a part of this prayer effort. We can't come to the church on this night or that night. Why? Because we're so stretched here and we're stretched there. God didn't bless us, amen, just so we could be blessed, but God blessed us to bless. Amen, God blessed us to let the power of his spirit, the authority of his anointing and the giftedness he has blessed us and the talents he has placed in the church. God gave that to the church so it could flow to us and then through us. Praise God. Just ask Solomon. He has the scars to prove it. He can tell you that riches can buy a lot of things but they can't buy joy. The only thing that money can buy is things. But those things are fading and they will soon be gone. That's Solomon's message in Ecclesiastes. He knew what he was writing about. This was not something that was just falling from his pen, but he was writing from his own life story. I have been there and I have done that. 
I've been there and I am, I am qualified to write about this because I have lived this. And so enjoy the blessings that God has given you knowing that one of God's greatest blessings is the privilege to do what we've all done here today and that stand in his presence and to enjoy the power and the wonder and the majesty of our almighty Savior. Amen. So I thank you today for the clothes in my closet. I thank you for the car in my driveway. I thank you, Lord, for the job. I thank you for my home. I thank you for our furniture. I thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings but I'm gonna tell you the greatest gift you gave me today was when I woke up and this morning, amen, I was on my knees and I called on your name in the darkness of a, of a bedroom in our home and I felt your warm embrace, God. Hallelujah. It didn't matter that I was in my home. I could have been doing that in the woods. Amen, the greatest gift you gave me was not the couch I was kneeling at or the room that I was praying in, but the greatest gift was the fact that God met me there. He met me there. He met me there. Amen. Amen. One way that we bless God is through our giving. Amen. Again, Brother Wayne Williams talked about this this morning a little bit. But I will say this, that if you have attended this church very long at all, you know that I'm not a money preacher. In fact, it's been a long time since I've even talked, preached, or taught on it. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. Matter of fact, most of the time when I teach about giving, I do it apologetically, not apologizing for talking about it, but apologizing for not talking about it. Amen. I haven't taught enough on the Bible's blessings. And, and because of that, some people may have missed something along the way by way of blessing. I, I, I'm going to be honest and transparent as I always am when I approach the subject. Many of the things that hinder me from talking and preaching about it is because it has been so woefully abused through the years. That's not an excuse. And that's not going to get me off the hook. But Jesus taught about and talked about money often because he knows how money affects our life. One Bible writer said, money answereth all things. So you can't do anything without money. Amen. When we give, we're not just giving to God what belongs to us, but rather he gives us what belongs to him. And he trusts you and I as stewards of his money and resources. And so we're not just going to talk about dollars, but our time and our talent and our abilities. If God has blessed you with the ability to do something, for crying out loud, do it. Don't withhold that gift from God. Amen. Give God your very best. Give God what you can. And so if you have some sort of skill that could be used to help and bless someone, bless them. It doesn't have to just be in dollars and cents. And so when God made us the steward of his money, that's why we refer to this as stewardship. It is to bless him and to bless others. And so we began this financial plan centuries ago in the Bible of tithes and offerings. And tithes supports the ministry and offerings supports the church. But long before there were paychecks and direct deposits, God, God's people farmed for a living. And so we see much of that even in scripture. They tilled the soil that God had created. They planted crops that, that God had given them. The seed that God had given them. And then 
they covered up that seed and by faith they prayed that God would give them the right mixture of sunshine and rain so that it would all yield a harvest. And when this happened, and they would look out to a field that was once empty and they would see it flourishing with a crop and there would be food everywhere and it was God blessing them and they knew where the source of that blessing came from. They did their best. They tilled the soil. They laid off the rows. They pushed the seed in the ground. They covered it up. But after that, it was in God's hands. And if God, Lord, if you let the sun scorch it, it'll be gone. Amen. Oh, Lord, if you let the rains flood it, it'll all be gone. but we planted in faith and now we are believing you for a good mixture and measure of it all hallelujah and it was God's blessing when they saw it sprout out of the ground they couldn't say I did that they couldn't say look at what I've done they couldn't say I commissioned the seed they couldn't say I commissioned the soil but they knew that that was God and God alone God called the children of Israel to give the first tenth or the tithe of their increase and that was why it was important Important. He meant it was important in the minds and the eyes of God. That first fruit, that 10% was a reminder that it was God who blessed them in the first place. It was a reminder that we are just managing what God has put in my hand. Amen, I have asked the Lord often, help me to know when to be liberal and help me to know when to be frugal. Amen, help me to know what to put in and help me to know what to avoid. I don't, I'm a steward. I gotta give an answer for this at the end of the day. I don't wanna throw good after bad, but I say, Lord, everything I have comes from you. And so that's why I have said many times through the years as a pastor and shepherd, that whatever God gives you, hold it loosely. And it won't hurt so bad when he asks for it back. Amen. And so when God asks for something, we have to say, Lord, I want to be willing, not just able, but willing to give. Tithing is a matter of trust. You see, if you don't trust God to take care of you, you probably won't tithe. You probably won't give. But if you trust that God is able to do more with the 90% than you could do with 100%, then you're going to say, Lord, here it is, and stand back and be amazed at what God can just do in your life. Amen. We give offerings to support the church and bless ministries both within and without the church. Offerings keep the bills paid and make sure there is a church here when we drive up. Amen. And so I'm thankful for I'm thankful for a given church. I am thankful to be a part of a given church. But I will say, as I often say, that just to be a part of a given church doesn't automatically make me a giver. What lets me know if I'm a giver or not is when I look at the end of the year and see what I gave. For years now, we have made our monthly commitments to bless other outside ministries. And when we schedule a global mission service, it's our collective faithful support that ensures that we can bless them not only while they're here, but if God prompts us to take them on in in a budgetary sense to, to, to help them on a monthly basis for a few years, it is here. And so when we hear of a North American missionary planting a new work, our faithfulness to give allows us to bless them financially. And, and, and God often blesses us when we bless him. Amen. But we don't just give to get. God does bless. Blessed are, we're going to be blessed by, by giving, but that's not why we give. 
God doesn't, we don't give God five, he gives us ten. We don't give God seven, he gives us eight dollars. That's not how it works. Amen. We give to bless others. And then God said, I will give it back to you. Amen. Press down, shaken together, and running over. It's not always a five for a five or a ten for a ten. But God can bless our homes. God can bless our cars. Amen. I know he, I know he can because he's blessed too many of mine. Amen. When they ought to be tired and worn out, well, they probably are tired and worn out, but when they ought to be broken down beside the road, God breathes life back into them again. God can bless us in ways that we cannot measure. You see, we ask, how can we bless God? Well, we can't give God a check and make Him richer, but we can bless Him. We can also, we bless Him through our worship. We bless Him through our praise. When we come to church, we have the privilege to openly and publicly praise and worship God for what he has done and for who he is. Hallelujah. When we kneel in quiet time and prayer in our home, we have the privilege to privately praise and worship God because he has been so good. So good. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I, I, am, I am sure that I am talking to people today that if you just sit down, look around, and you just see what God has done in your life. We'd have to walk away and say, I'm blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I live, I'm blessed. Is everything perfect? No. It's not what we're talking about. Are there any disappointments, scars along the way? I'm sure. Unfulfilled dreams? No doubt. But when we see the hand of God's blessing, I am humbled. Amen. We learn from James 1 that, that God is that giver of all good gifts. And when we worship Him, He blesses us. And through us, He often blesses others. Amen. You think about this. How many times in the service have you ever watched someone else worship and their worship blessed you? It happened to me in this very service today. When you see the purity of someone else's praise and worship. Amen. That blessed me. It blessed me. You allowed your worship to flow through you and bless others. The most blessed life could never be measured in square footage of a home, acres of property. The most blessed life is measured in years of faithfulness, Wholehearted worship, dedicated prayer and consecration. We all have those people in our lives whose their lives have been so such a blessing to us. They were there. They were just there. You could count on them. Their life of stability, their steps that were measured, such a blessing. And so from this point forward, I ask all of us to purpose in our heart. 
that we are going to be more thankful, a greater spirit of gratitude for what God has given us. And if there is more to come down the road, thank God for it. But if this is it, Lord, thank you for what you've done. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing, 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 nothing. You owe me nothing. Take the time to enjoy the life that God has given you. That's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. The pleasure of God is that we would at least enjoy what he has given us. There's no harm in that. There's no foul in that. To enjoy what God has given us. And then to realize that he didn't just give us something to hold it. But he wants it to flow through us. Amen. I want to ask you to stand if you will. I've mentioned several times through the years. I'm not ashamed to repeat it. I was thankful as a young man growing up in church to be challenged by other older men in the church. I would often sit with them, some of them family members, some of them were friends. They didn't know I was paying attention. And to be honest, at the moment, I didn't realize what an impact it was having in my life. But I watched at offering time how those men gave from this side of the wallet. Amen? Generous. Generous. And God blessed those men. I really believe, I don't want you to think I'm too far out here this morning. <laughs> but I really believe that God strategically planted me in those men's lives in that season of time. Because he said, I need to show you something. I was a child. I didn't understand it. But I knew what big bills looked like. And I saw that they weren't trying to iron out ones and put in the plate. But they were given liberally and generously. Amen. I'm, I'm very, very sincere. I've never been more sincere. And I thank God for the impact that had on me. The impact that had on me. I don't want to be a selfish person, Lord. I want to give with everything that I have to give. Help me to give my all and not just that that I'm done with. Don't me just give to God what I'm about to cast away anyway. But I want to give sacrificially with everything that we have. If you've heard this story before, please pardon me. But many years ago in the early 90s, my wife and I had a, a pastor friend and his family who lived down on the coast south of here. There was a storm surge that came. Their home was not right on the coast or a, a little fishing bay there, but, um, but just a, a block or so off. But there was such a storm surge that came into their home um, came ashore, it came into their home and filled up their home in an instant to hear them tell the stories. It's horrific and how it slid their home off of its foundation several inches. But in just a moment of time, their home was filled uh, with several feet of water. The back of their home, there was French doors and, and uh, those French doors in just a matter of moments gave way. When those French doors opened, 
almost every piece of furniture in their home flushed out. And it was gone. And it was the strangest thing. My wife and I went down there as soon as we could. But to see their, their home, of course, was the only home we went inside. But uh, all the other homes were practically the same condition. In a moment, they lost everything. We had some neighbors here in this community that heard about this. I, I, I can't remember the details of how they found out about it. These people had nothing, and so they called us, and they said, Hey, the next time you go, we've got camping gear, and we'd like to, we'd like to give this. And so we went to their home, and they went to a shed, and they had boxes of, I mean, professional camping gear, boxes and boxes, I mean, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of camping gear. And so I just thought they must be, you know, got into camping. Now they're getting out of camping. And so they were willing to give. It was still sacrificial. They were willing to give all of this stuff away. And so I felt somewhat awkward about taking all of this, all of these things. I'm trying to figure out how are we going to get this back to you. And so I finally just said, you know, because they, they, were, they were saying if, if we get it back, fine. If we don't get it back, fine. And so I said, well, are you guys just through camping? They said, oh, no. Man, camping's our thing. I mean, we live to camp. We love to camp. It's, it's been a multi-generational thing in our family. We camp. And I stood there, humble beyond words, that people were willing to give because we have it. It's just in our shed. These people have nowhere to sleep tonight. And if we get it back, we get it back. If we don't, we don't. I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten that. Amen. They weren't members of this church. They weren't members of that church. They never met them. Are you hearing me today? God didn't bless us to sit on it. God blessed us to bless. And I'm going to tell you something. We've never given anything away that God didn't somehow just bless us somehow, some way. Amen. Let's magnify him. Can we do it today? Lord, I love you today. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.